everybody has a first day of work. Everybody has the first time they picked up a tool. So I think realizing that is a great equalizer for everybody. The first time I realized that, oh, wait, somebody at some point had to learn this. Like nobody was good their first time. That's very humbling. And like, okay, then I can, I can do this too. Like they can do it. I can do it. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. I'm Camille Finan, and on the show today is Kayleen McCabe, the much-beloved host of Rescue Renovation. Learn how she went from being a police dispatcher to having a very successful remodeling show on HGTV and what she's planning to do for the next phase of her life. everybody. Dear listeners, thanks so much for joining me today. We've got a great guest, Kaylee McCabe, who was a former host of Rescue Renovation and currently kind of an ambassador for Skills USA. And she travels the United States and the world, basically helping young people get into the trades, among lots of other things. So Kayleen, thanks for being here today with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here and the opportunity to, uh, yeah, hang out to hang out with another girl carpenter <laughs> i love it right, it's like two exactly. unicorns meeting <laughs> it is yeah it's a treat and a half and something that i don't take for granted at all and it's wonderful to see other females in the industry and guys i can't wait for us to look down the road and see even more females in the industry exactly exactly you know a lot of the women that will be listening to the show are really struggle with how to get started because there's so much intimidation if you're in the beginning, especially for women, um, there's so much intimidation that's sort of a part of it, not on purpose, but just it's an intimidating industry and the terminology and the power tools and all that stuff and the job sites. So I think a lot of people are really interested in how we got started. And it seems like overnight you were the host of Rescue Renovation and overnight you were a general contractor, but the reality is that took you quite a few years. So kind of what was your childhood like growing up with tools or how did you really get started as like a young girl? with power tools? I was very, very fortunate. I am definitely an outlier for my generation. My father and grandfather were super handy. I started working on cars when I was really young. We, we did projects around the house. I joke that I genuinely thought the way that you checked if a hole was deep enough for a fence post is you put a small child into it. Uh, Cause that was my job. And so, <laughs> you know, and, and so, I was introduced to this wonderful world of tools. It was something I was around, but it was never anything that was told to me in school that I could do for a job. And so it was something I was like, all right, you know, we just did our own work around the house. I mean, my grandfather was a hard rock miner, so very handy and industrious. And it wasn't until I was older that I realized that I was different than all my friends. Not everybody had their own compressor. And <laughs> that's, that's <just> like me. <laughs> that's so funny. Like, yeah, totally. Like what? Um, but I took a break. You know, I went through school, went through high school. I did only uh, one semester of college. I made it through before I realized this is not for me. I need mm-hmm. to be doing something with my hands or more active. And so when I was like in my twenties, I remember trading spaces was on mm-hmm. and there was a female contractor on there and it was one of those realizations and like ding moments. And I was like, wait a second, this is something I grew up doing. I love doing them creative. I loved using power tools. I had a blast doing it. Why am I not doing this? Like what, why am I not working with my hands? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was sort of the first moment. And at that time I had a house and I remember sort of being like, all right, I hate this kitchen. At that time I was a 911 dispatcher. Hmm. And I was transitioning between police departments and I had some downtime. And I remember going out to the shop, getting and bringing a sledgehammer and redoing my kitchen. And that was the first like, oh my, this is 
big. I appreciate all the trades that are involved in this. I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. And it, it very randomly, it so happened that my cousin was a producer on trading spaces and being a 911 dispatcher can be very exhausting mm-hmm. and uh, very taxing. And I needed a break and she invited me to come work on the show. Oh, Camille, that was it. I was, it was a hundred percent hooked from then because it was the first time I had the opportunity to do that for a job. And no, don't get me wrong. A dispatching, it was a great career. It was a wonderful job. It financially provided for me. I loved it, but I wasn't happy. And I remember towards the end, the alarm would go off and I'd be like, no, I can't do this again. And Mm -hmm. when I got to start working with my hands around power tools literally I couldn't sleep at night. I was so excited. You know, television is an exhausting industry, very, very long days. And I remember we'd wrap up set around midnight. We'd have to be work the next day at six. And I was enthusiastic and energetic the whole day. It was like, Oh, wait a second. Why, why wasn't I encouraged to do this earlier? Mm-hmm. Yes, it wasn't. And it was like, Oh, you get to make a mess. Uh, you get to work with your hands. And at the end of the day, I, am a person that needs the satisfaction of saying that is what I did. I can physically see why I'm tired and what I did all day long. I don't function well if my job is emailing because I can't visually see the cloud. It's just not as rewarding for me and something that I feel is enthusiastic about. So my path was non-traditional for sure. I wanted to go into the welding program in high school, but I was told that, well, you're a female, you have good grades, Kayleen. Why would you want to go do that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the other kids go. Oh, they go into a bus and are bused to the other campus. And oh, come Yeah. Oh, the money right now in welding. Yeah, it's Whoa. insane. I know. No, you can make a ton of money. Yeah. And it's it's a really good job. Yeah. I mean, it's, any trade. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, so you were working on the show trading spaces. So then how did you, I, I believe you won a competition, but how did you get in the competition? Like, or how did that happen? (laughs) Um, so I left TV. I was blessed enough to work on trading spaces and then a bunch of other home renovation shows in the early 2000s. So if it was on HGTV or DIY, I worked at a production house that produced those. But I was good at my job and they kept promoting me, which I was grateful for. But I was eventually like an associate producer and I was in the office all the time and I hated it. Right. And I lived back east where it's humid and gross and I'm from Colorado. So I realized one day I'm like, why am I here? I love the tools. It's the construction for me. So I left, moved back to Colorado, started working on friends' houses. And I still had friends in the TV industry, and there's a large production company here, and they wanted to do a competition show called Stud Finder. So uh-huh. immediately I turned them down. I was like, no, is this a hitting show? I'm not in force. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this is, so no. It turns out that it was for this construction show, and they really kind of hounded me to apply for it. And I wasn't really sad because I had been in TV Long enough to know that it's very cyclical. Mm-hmm. It's not a consistent career or a job. And so I didn't want to walk away from the network that I was starting to build and grow as a contractor. Cause mm-hmm. you know, like it, yeah. it takes time to grow that network. It's not something you just like pack up and walk away from. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. My friends can did some solid convincing and kind of, I realized that this would give me an opportunity to promote the trades in a positive way and show great construction work on TV mm-hmm. and sort of buck the trend on what a contractor looked like right. and acted like and show that, look, you can be female, you can work with everybody and have a great time and really be satisfied in your career. And mm-hmm. so I was fortunate enough to win. Like, who am I? The competition was definitely intense, but I was the only lady. So <laughs> what did you do in the competition? Like, what was an example of a construction task that you had to do on the show. Okay. First of all, let me just, (laughs) yeah, let me set this up. The day of the competition, it's a bazillion degrees in New Jersey with a hundred percent humidity. We're in a giant parking lot and there were five competitions and you had 15 minutes to do each one. And so obviously being from Colorado, I don't function in humidity. I just kind of like, Yeah. Oh, big time. And it was the first time I had ever been in front of the camera, which Mm -hmm. that's terrifying. It is, you're very raw. You you just, it's a very exposed sort of feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have a podcast. 
Because <laughs> I don't like being uh-huh. on camera. Very smart. <laughs> Very smart with that. Yeah, it's that is sort of the toughest part to it. And so the first competition is we had to frame a wall and a window. And Camille, I just walked around and chopped up lumber. I couldn't even wrap my brain around what I was doing. I was so nervous and yeah. out of it and just like, ugh. Um, the next competition was we had to do some tile work okay. and we had to tile a wall. And so I decided to do a herringbone pattern nice, just for fun. And, yep. and I was the only female competitor with four other guys. Well, that goes without um, saying. So that was some, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some fun. Yeah. yeah exactly. They doesn't have many to pick from anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, let's see, we had to lay down a hardwood floor. We had to build a storage unit and that's mm-hmm. really where I won the competition all the guys ran. We only had 15 minutes to build a storage unit that would hold a laundry basket. And so all the guys ran to go get lumber. I ran to the plumbing section to get PVC pipe and connectors. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I built myself a little connects, you know, yeah, storage exactly. unit. And I think even the producers were like, whoa. Damn. Like, yeah, duh, think outside the box. <laughs> yeah, right? Plumbers are smart for a reason. <laughs> yeah. H2O. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. And so then what was the last so, one then? Uh, I can't even remember what the finale was, but there were two of us. Maybe the finale was out of the two of us, and it was me and this guy named Andrew, and we had to lay a hardwood floor. But, like, what was the timing? Like, how much time? Like, what square footage? Like, 10 by 10 in, like, an hour? Or, like, was it glue down or just snapped together? Oh, no. This was full nail down, like, hardwood floor, fully installed. They gave us, I want to say it was like an eight by eight square that was already squared mm-hmm. up. So we didn't have to do anything fancy with it. And it was literally just how fast can you lay a floor? Yeah. I mean, at that point too, you've been going, uh, don't believe everything you see on TV. It's all edited, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we shot all of these things back to back. We had to set up for other yeah. events. And so mm-hmm. you're still outside. It's still exhausting. The best part was that the guys I competed with, we're still friends. Yeah. They're the coolest people ever. They're so nice. And I really didn't think I won. Uh, I competed with this guy named Andrew who was like a crab fisherman and he nailed everything. <laughs> and he was like, bro, handsome. And nice. so I was like, well, obviously he gets that. And, yeah. uh, and so I was definitely surprised when I won and it was a moment of like, Oh my, okay. Wow. Game on. And I remember the producer saying, he's like, are you ready for the roller coaster of your life? And I knew at that time, obviously having some sort of background in TV, what I was in for, yeah. I didn't know what I was in for. And Camille, I'm still on it. You know, yeah. it's it's amazing that, oh, okay, here we go again. Spend some loop-de-loops uh, and some good, and I love coaching. And so when when was that? Was that like seven years that ago? That was 2000. I mean, it's two. Yes. Yeah. So it's 2009 been... or eight. Oh, so more. Okay. Wow. So how did you then become comfortable? Because I know a lot of the women that are in my classes and that I talk to, you know, the biggest thing is they can't figure out how to use the power tools, even for small projects, much less building a house. And it's almost impossible to get the training, which, you know, you and I can talk about in a bit. So how did you know how to build a house? How did you learn how to do that if you had been in a TV background? And I get that you were really comfortable with tools as a child, like I was around with your dad and your grandfather, but like, how did you get, where did you get your training from? Uh, even if it was, you know, on an amateur level, how did you get the confidence and the knowledge to build houses? First of all, practice. You don't get good at using tools the first time, period. Right. One, you should always be aware of the safety, but you, you don't get the finesse of swinging a hammer the first time you pick it up. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think you know, dispelling the myth of like, oh, I, I'm nervous about doing this. Well, yeah, everybody is. Everybody has a first day of work. Everybody has the first time they picked up a tool. So I think realizing that is a great equalizer for everybody. The first time I realized that, oh, wait, somebody at some point had to learn this. Like nobody was good their first time. And mm-hmm. so that's this is very humbling and like, okay, then I can, I could do this too. Like they can do it. I can do it. Um, as far as training, it was that was definitely frustrating. Camille, I, I am, it was on job sites and I got very, very lucky that I was able to work with fantastic mentors and contractors. And that started with even the contractors that I worked with on trading spaces. And so 
from that, I started doing smaller jobs and working my way up and would meet like a great plumber and ask them and Mm -hmm. sort of see where I could learn things from. And then eventually did work with a general contractor for a bit that was able to walk me more through the process. So it is not easy. And it's not as easy as it should be. It's easier now. There are actual schools and programs, but I don't feel like they've come all the way around as far as educating everyone out there. Yeah. And most people don't know about them. I mean, you and I know about them because we're in the trades and I know about them because of you, but there was nothing out there 25 years ago when I was starting and I'm in California where there's tons of money and tons of school and tons of education. And yet you have to look really hard to try to find a school on how to build furniture or how to do framing. I mean, you can join the union, but a lot of people are scared to join the union because they don't really understand how the union works. So, you know, they kind of need to know ahead of time what's going to happen when they're in the union. You know, how do you find a job when you're in the union? And I was in the carpenters union. So it was really hard even being in something organized like that. It was still very unorganized (laughs) And, and you really had to be your own advocate to make a career out of it. You and I are both on the same page as far as like, it should be a lot simpler, a lot more clear, a lot more straightforward so that if you really have an interest in it, you can get the skills that you need fairly readily. You're obviously very animated and extroverted and comfortable with people. And you're very comfortable with men and all of that, have lots of friends. Were you ever just really intimidated on the job site or were you ever sort of made to feel stupid or like you weren't good enough or was there ever any difficulty with any of that? Or did you just kind of win them over (laughs) with your personality? Nah. (laughs) Nah. Uh, Heck no. I mean, I I think people, people either like me or I drive them nuts because I am a morning person and I'm just kind of that way all day. So, um, Yeah, it's so being naturally exuberant, sometimes I understand it's exhausting to be around, but I absolutely took flack because here's the thing, you're learning stuff. And if you're at a job site, part of it is always going to be testing the newcomer. I mean, Mm -hmm. I still pull the prank on the new person on like, oh, oh, you messed up that cut really good. We'll go out to the truck and go get the lumber stretcher. (laughs) Um, And so part of it was realizing that's, that is part of work. You don't have hazing like that in necessarily an office environment, but I've always worked in male dominated industries. Obviously 911 dispatching was huge, did probation too, you know, so they want to test you because part of this industry is very physical. You need to trust your crew and your teammates because this is, it can be dangerous. And so it's out of love that it is sometimes sent. Now, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen anywhere too. And that's equally as frustrating. I have yet to come into an industry that my gender wasn't at some point addressed. And Camille, I guess at this point, I just tune it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a while I did have a private Facebook page because there were a bunch of weirdos on it. And, you know, people seem to be quite free in what they'll express. But I just tuned it out because I love it so much. You can't deter me. I don't care. I don't care how I look. I don't care how dirty I get. And that's where something that sort of frustrates me and something that we need to recognize more is to be in this industry is also we're artists. And so while the schooling isn't as readily available, I feel like we all have this artistic passion. I'm like, I have to do this. This is something that I need to create and need to do. And It didn't matter at some point. Like, fine. Okay. You're going to comment on the fact I run like a girl. Oh yeah, I am one. Mm -hmm. Cool. And everybody has their skills and talents and females no longer should ever feel intimidated to be in the industry at all. Because what I'm seeing as I'm traveling and talking to people globally, businesses are looking for females because our disposition is different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's financially better for these companies because they're finding that the tool usage, like we don't, if a tool stops working, we don't like kick it like a caveman. We actually take a second, figure out what's wrong with it. Yes. And Mm -hmm. then use it. And that's really important when you figure the machinery that you're using is, you know, 10 or $20 million. Mm -hmm. So these are highly skilled jobs that are sought after. I mean, I, I don't know how many companies hire welders and they're like, we only want the females now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, electricians yeah. too. I know, I know trim carpentry. Trim carpentry, yes. electricians, anything where there's a lot of care involved or detail or multitasking or a whole bunch of reasons why I think personally women are even better at carpentry, <laughs> to be honest. I think we have a better natural disposition to a lot of it. We're just generally shorter and smaller and not as strong. But outside of that, we have a lot of other things going for us that are good with leverage and the right tools that can be, that's all can be overcome. So, so basically your recommendation would be like, get a tough skin, still be who you are. Don't let it really, don't take it personally, but kind of have a little bit of a tough skin and just kind of let it roll off your back and, and just keep your eye on the prize. Basically just keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you need to like put Taylor Swift in your head, you got to shake it off because Mm -hmm. in any of this, and I have, I try not to do it too. Cause I know it drives me crazy. You're going to get people who hover. You're going to get like the guys who are going to stop and look mm-hmm. or even homeowners. It doesn't matter. Just yeah. Homeowners drive me nuts. We put a and, caution tape. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I would like to impose. Yeah. A PETA fee um, for homeowners. Like, you know, if you're going to hang around, I, what do you call you it? A, camera p- crew a, or, a PETA fee? What? P- yeah. P I T A. Uh, pain in the ass, um, oh, which we politely call it a, yeah. a PETA fee. That's cute. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Because they've never seen a girl doing what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't just take a deep breath and keep doing your thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest part is, and everybody learns, you know, I, I still struggle. These new tools, sometimes like the safety switch on the miter saw. You know, I, I know how to use the miter saw. You know how embarrassing it is to walk up to the new Bosch and you're like fumbling around like, on it. Where's the- well, guess what? <laughs> yeah, it's new. Yeah, the next guy yes, is going to do the same do the exact thing. Same thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So speaking yep. of tools, I've got my little favorites that are like mine that I would want to be buried with. What is your <laughs> top two favorite hand tools, top two favorite power tools? Ugh, this is hard. Okay, let me let me start with. That's why it uh, has to be the top two? Because I've got like ten that are my favorites, yeah, but two. my top I two uh, power tools. I'm going to go with my Fest Tool TS55 track saw. Yep, because that for me was like the game changer, life changing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then I'm going to go with my Merca uh, palm sander. Hmm. Really? Because oh. I just love. Yeah. Even over like, the Fest Tool, I like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much more. The, uh, I like Merca's paper better. It's mesh mm-hmm. all the way around. And then the Merca, it's like palm activated. So you don't pull a trigger and mm-hmm. after standing all day, Camille, I really feel like I dance with it. Like it just sort of floats in my hand. So it's, it's like a part of, to yeah, use. it's like part of, oh, I love that. Delicious yeah. to use. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then obviously dust containment is like my big nerd. Like those tools would both be terrible if you didn't have a good dust containment system for it. Hmm. And I do prefer the Fest tool back. The, I have the CS26. Uh, mine's, so, mine's so old, it's so broken looking, but it runs like a champ. But I don't even think it has the numbers on it anymore. It's been so scraped. <laughs> <laughs> it's like number one. You can't even tell what it is. I just know what it is by the shape. But uh, yeah, I have the little one because we're taking them in and out of the, you know, the truck all the time. So we have the smaller ones. Yeah. The, the taller ones are just too heavy to get in and out all the time. Okay, so... Oh, yeah. so Full d- of MDF. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, so... Does, uh, hand tools. So, yeah, so hand tools. Yeah. I mean... Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to go with three because the first one's actually... It's like two. It's my pencil and my pencil sharpener, which yes. is a box cutter. Oh, my God. That is I hilarious. Can. I love you. Yeah. Yes, a sharp fucking pencil, right? A good sharp oh, pencil is the number one tool. Yeah, I teach that all the time. I can't stand when I see a stubby, horrible pencil. I'm like, what kind of accuracy are you going to oh. get with that? <laughs> yeah, okay. So. Yeah, what are you using, a lead crayon? Yeah, okay. Um, and then my, my tape measure. And so what is oh, your brand? Like what's your brand of tape measure? I'm curious to see um, if it's the same as mine. I rotate. You know, I, I do play with Milwaukee. They just, I don't like the feel to it. So I usually carry a Stanley Fat Max, but yep. I also put the sticker on the side, like the melamine sticker. So the whole side of it becomes a writing surface. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, this, that's what we have, the Fat Max 16. That's what we use. So what yeah, about... it's a good palm. Yeah, it's it's the perfect size for a uh, tape measure. Um, but you see, you're doing, fra- you're doing more framing than I am, so you probably need a little bit longer one, but... We, I do a 25. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think you've got longer fingers than I am. I can barely get my hand around that. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what do you use for, what do you use for your hammer? 
Oh, I love my stilettos so much. Oh, so you they do make have a stiletto. So happy. I used to, yeah. I used to be a Douglas framing hammer because I was in love with that hickory handle and the fact that Shank went like down with two bolts. But I gave it to a homeowner once who was very enthusiastic and broke the shank and I was like, meh. And then I picked up the stiletto titanium hammer and, and you're I was like, like, wait what? a second. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and see, this is what I love about the evolution of tools right now. Tool companies got smart Mm -hmm. and stopped trying to make tools that were pink. What they did is realize that I do have big hands and my hands are larger than some of the guys I work with. And so I I don't need a drilling pink with a smaller hand grip. I just need something smaller and lighter because I want to be an old contractor. Exactly. I don't want my hands to have carpal tunnel. And not be injured. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Probably. Real carpet, real yeah. girl carpenters use you- real tools. We don't use pink tools. That just tells me it doesn't work at all. Oh. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Every time it's I'm in, insulting. I'm in Lowe's almost every, hammer? every single morning and I see that and I'm like, Oh my God, that's ridiculous. I feel like burning that display. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a stiletto. Yeah. Same thing. I have the, the shortest, smallest one they make. Uh, the one with the, it's not really, a, I think it is the 10 ounce, but I mean, I literally can frame all day if I had to with that thing. It's just perfect length for me, perfect everything. I just, I absolutely love it. I just broke my first one in 25 years. I literally just broke it. And I've had the same, like two weeks ago, and I've had the same stiletto for, for literally for 22 years or something. And I just bought my second one and I couldn't believe it. I almost cried when I did it. I was swinging that hard. We should have a moment of silence. I'll text you the picture. I put it on Instagram. I was literally like, I can't believe that just happened. I believed in it like it was a unicorn. Like it literally was going to live forever. I loved it so much. So... Thanks again for listening this far. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about a product I just love that helps support this show. Oh my gosh, you guys. So today I'm opening up my Blue Apron package, which I get every single Wednesday. And I'm so excited because I get to pull out my recipe cards and see what I get this week. Basically, the first reason why I'm so excited about cooking with Blue Apron is I get to open all these little new packages every single week. A bunch of super cute little items, all individually wrapped. I mean, who doesn't like getting gifts, right? And the fact that it's food every single Wednesday is just thrilling. So I love the sound of that box opening and I get all kinds of new things and I have absolutely no idea what I'm getting each week. You can go ahead and check all of it ahead of time. And I used to do that, but then I got so comfortable that I basically just trust Blue Apron that I never even look ahead. And I love being surprised each week. Like my job is stressful and there's a lot of decisions that are being made all the time and lots of problems that have to be solved all day long. So for me, it's such a nice mental break to be able to just mindlessly, but with a lot of fun, enjoy opening up a bunch of new packages. In addition, the excitement of opening a fun box of gifts every week, like the entire Blue Apron experience, is literally the best part of cooking. That's really what Blue Apron has done for me. They've taken all the hassle out of it, all the extra expense, all the wasted food, all the lack of creativity, and trying to figure out what recipe to do week after week, They've basically streamlined it down to just the absolute best parts of cooking. That's why I love it. So if you want to experience the best parts of cooking with me, Blue Apron style, just head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash Blue Apron and get started today. And you can get $30 off your first week and a portion of your purchases will help support my show. And I thank you so much. And I would love to see what you're cooking this week with Blue Apron. Do you want to tell me a little bit about Skills USA? Because that's a really kind of interesting thing that you started doing kind of recently. Yeah. So I came across Skills USA. I kept hearing companies say over and over again, like, oh, we're participating with this student organization. You should check out their national competition. And I kept hearing this over and over again. I was like, all right, fine. I have to go. And 
Camille, I guess I have just spent the last so many years telling people what I do and they give me like a side eye and they're like, really? Like you're in construction, uh, little mm-hmm. lady type thing. And so I go to this national competition for Skills USA, which is all the states. There's like 6,000 kids, something like 100 different competitions over a week. And they're all there. and It's all trades. So this isn't just construction. It's automotive, culinary, cosmetology, CNC, like blah, blah, blah. It's incredible. And I was approached by a bunch of students. The big thing with skills beyond competing is they all have pins for their state. And so some students approached me and they're like, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I frame. And instead of getting that, like, really? They were like, oh, really? Oh, I do HVAC. Oh, I do aerospace. And I was, I have found my people. You found I your tribe. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was like, I love you all. In fact, I joke. So they have a, a uniform. So in competition, they all wear professional clothes. So let's say you're in automotive, you wear the blue bibs. You know, if you're in nursing, you have very nice scrubs. But their formal wear is dress pants with a bright red coat. Hmm. And it's a very visible coat. And I had been traveling a few months ago and I was coming back from Africa and I was exhausted and I had just landed in Seattle and I was kind of out of it. But from across like the terminal, I see red coats and instantly like best friends, these are my summer (laughs) camp friends. And so I run up to this group and I was like, oh my gosh, what are you guys competing in? I represent Skills USA and Skills Colorado and World Skills. And they looked at me very odd and they said, no, we're with Marriott. Oh my, I was like, oh, ha. <laughs> my bad. Um, so Skills USA is something that everybody can help participate with. And I really would love to see this become an organization that more people know about. Mm-hmm. It's the joke that it's the best kept secret ever. Because what it is, is it gives students an opportunity to learn a trade in school and then give them a chance to sort of compete with that, which is great because it's not necessarily about the competition. It's the fact that you're networking, you're meeting people in the industry. You're also practicing your craft associated with skills USA. It's not just about the trade skill. It's also about leadership. And so these are students who are taught how to communicate, how to put together a resume. And when you meet them, they make eye contact, they shake your hand they will communicate with you face to face. And those are very employable skills. Those are the things I can teach somebody how to build a house. What I can't teach them is work ethic and how to be a great employee. That's too hard. Yeah. So it sounds incredible, but how, like logistically, how does it work? Like you're in high school and you just sign up for like a skills USA class or you sign up for the competition or it's only within the high schools that have like that trade uh, offered or like, how does it actually happen if you're like, you know, 13 years old and getting ready to go into high school or something, 14 years old, how would you participate in it? So the best part is that Skills USA is middle school, high school and post-secondary, which opens up a huge range. Mm-hmm. And normally um, this is a program within the school. So there's a Skills USA chapter in most schools. And if not, it's pretty easy to start one. I went through the process. I actually, crashed a, uh, one of their summer conferences and hung out with the students all week and learned what does it take to start a chapter. So it's not too terribly intensive. And then depending on what students are interested in competing in what and the availability of the teachers to teach that craft depends on what you can compete in. Some schools are just 100% Skills USA schools. Hmm. Um, and so there isn't necessarily a chapter to start. The school is just 100% a part of the program, which is really cool. From there, students have the opportunity to do competitions at their school, and then that goes to the state competition. The winners of the state competition go to the national competition, and the winners of the national competition every other year go to the worldwide competition. And this is in Abu Dhabi. And we have uh, the United States is bringing, I believe, it's 22 competitors hmm. with us. So. It's a pretty cool thing. And Camille, of the students who are competing at the national level have to bring their job resume because a lot of these students are immediately getting jobs. And these aren't little jobs. These are jobs that I think the next phenomenon we're going to have to deal with is all these kids acting like pop stars because they have so much money and don't know how to handle it yet. I mean, these are are full-time career jobs. It's incredible. Without 
without going to college. This is non-college based um, mm-hmm. career opportunities to be successful. Nice. So that's sort of where I was hooked in showing that, listen, college has been crammed down. Everybody's thrown for so long. I want to show people, look, there are multiple pathways to success. The trades is absolutely one of them. It's very viable. And SkillsBSA gives these kids the ability to compete, but then also it's a legitimizer. I mean, it's, it's such a big deal. It's, it's like our Olympics with power tools. Nice. I love that. The Olympics with power tools. Yeah, I can't even imagine what I'd be doing if I did that in high school. <laughs> like, wow, I probably would have never wanted to right? leave. Yeah, that would have been, um, I mean, we had like a little wood shop, but I pretty much, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't taught to girls. Like it, you really had to really want to be in that class. So yeah. Okay. So you're basically kind of traveling the country, traveling the world, trying to showcase these, these young people that are learning real hard, tangible skills and being able to be artistic and creative and make great friends and be kind of leaders in their own little worlds. So I know that's part of, you know, that's kind of half of your life or maybe 30% of your life. What do you actually have coming up just for you personally? Like, what do you see on the horizon outside of just your kind of giving back and trying to help these organizations thrive? What are you going to try to do for, for yourself in the trades? I want to continue my education. I never want to stop learning. I feel that if you rest, you rust, and Mm -hmm. I don't want my brain to get stagnant. Um, I'm realizing that while I have loved, loved working in homes, that maybe that's just, it's not fulfilling for me as much anymore. And part of that, I mean, not to diss any homeowners, but part of it might be that. I really love doing my craft so much that sometimes it's wonderful to get lost in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look up from your work surface and it's like, whoa, where'd the time go? Yeah. With that though, I realized that I still have a really active voice with the students and I do a lot of advocacy with parents and teachers and guidance counselors because mm-hmm. they're also the other key pin in this. And so what I'm researching right now is my next adventure is to get a job in the commercial world and document my process. So Hmm. students can see, look, this is what it takes to get a job. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes showing up on time every day. Mm -hmm. It takes being humble when you're schooled and being reprimanded for doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And it takes the realization that everybody starts the first day of work sometime. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay to fail It's okay to be tired, but it's not okay to give up and not show up and try. And Hmm. so I think that needs to be shown. There aren't a lot of shows or entertainment for students right now that show something that's always positive. And um, not that I'm expecting, you know, something terrible, but I think there's a value to that for students to be aware that, look, this is what it takes. And, but look at the opportunities outside of this, you know, you might go through this class You might go through this, but look where it can go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not quite sure which trade. I have a few that I'm kind of mulling around and Mm -hmm. seeing which one would be the best fit, not only just to show off to students, but then Camille, for me in real life, I mean, I don't expect TV. I don't, I can't leverage this forever. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, you know, I, I will always be a great waitress, but I think I can do more. (laughs) You know, I, (laughs) <laughs> I think I could definitely take my skills a little bit farther. And so, um, and, and this will probably be starting next spring. Um, I am traveling so much the next few months that I really just don't have the time to dedicate to it. I'm, I'm basically gone from my home again for another two and a half months. So waiting, <laughs> waiting for that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the name of the podcast is, you know, remodel your life. And so it's literally about <laughs> what you're doing, which is those sort of times of transition and times when you're trying to rebuild something, tear something down, craft something new. And so you're literally doing that. So we'll be able to check in with you, you know, in a couple months maybe and see if you've made your choice and, and uh, what school you'll be going to or what company you're going to work for or what you're worried about or what you just yeah. learned, the coolest parts of it. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're literally going to be a work in progress, just like we talk about on the show. So that's, and that takes a lot of bravery, people, a lot of bravery to start over, or try something new and it's commendable. So we should celebrate those, those transitions. I think when you want something more, I think that's good to go after it. I think that's great. Yeah, no, thank you. And it's something that I need to find a way to balance 
my passion for advocacy to students and the reality that I do want to always continue my education. Heck yeah, I don't ever imagine that I will trying to learn and craving that, but I need to realistically look at what are other career options. Mm-hmm. You know, I never want to get stagnant and television is changing anyway. And I, I have not been on TV in a while, you know, obviously pursuing things all the time, but you just can't bank on that. That's just ridiculous. And so, yeah, I'll definitely keep you in the loop and let you know. And who knows? I'm not playing Powerball yet, but I guess <laughs> if that happens, I'll still go to school anyway. <laughs> Wouldn't stop me. Yeah. So are you kind of thinking eventually maybe starting another company, right? Your own company, but doing a different trade, not necessarily home remodeling or, or home building is kind of what you're thinking. Or are you maybe thinking of actually no. staying working for a company? I am thinking more of, I want to make the commitment to go through the beginning process of a few different trades in the commercial realm and see what I like. Yeah, You know, I, there's a few different trades and opportunities. I mean, oh, Camille, the jobs out there are so cool. There's so many choices. What? Yeah. Try, ele- so try ca- elevator I- carpenters, the elevators union. Oh my God. They just do, they do incredible stuff. I couldn't get into it. It was already impacted when I went through the carpentry trades, but I mean, it was unbelievable, challenging skill sets that were just incredible things they were doing with glass and lobbies and tension wires and finish, you know, in, inlaid, um, you know, uh, ebony woods in just, I mean, just incredible things in elevator carpenters. <laughs> like who would think of that? But I mean, that was one I still remember from 20 something years ago, but yeah, there's just, there's high rises, there's, you know, huge shopping malls and, and, uh, all the insides of all the stores, power plants. power plants. And I mean, just, there's so many different directions that you could go with this. So, I think that's awesome. I I think it's great that you're doing that. What would you say needs to change about the industry to get more girls and women successfully working in the trades? We need support, support from the parents and from the guidance counselors starting in third grade to encourage females to continue to build and continue to create and craft and not really be so decisive with like boys and girls. I think as soon as we start introducing math to students, we should talk about that in trades related things. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's going to change the overall dynamic. I also think that um, leading by example, if you are a crafts person, then bring in show females. Mm-hmm. You have access to schools, your children. Don't be creepy about it. But you know, there's appropriate <laughs> ways to show these skills whether it's maybe a brownie retreat or a craft night. So be Mm -hmm. creative with that. Reach out and show by example what it looks like to be a female in the industry. And then be super supportive. You know, and I think that's also females need to encourage the males around us to maybe clean up their behavior a little bit. I've generally had very positive experiences because we were there to be professional. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, you know, you're there to focus on the work and if you can do the work well, there's nothing else that you need to be talking about. Yeah. Well, that's why I, be- that's why I became the boss. <laughs> so then I can control yes. my own environment, start your own company, <laughs> then you get to do what you want. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, there was lots of men that helped me along the way that were good mentors and that were very respectful and professional. And they set a good example for the other guys treating you with respect when that happens. So those guys, you know, they can go a long way to helping with that. So um, I think that's, that's good examples. And then the other question is just, can you recommend any schools for training that you, cause I know you're out there talking to a lot of people. Do you have, you know, a couple of schools off the top of your head outside of skills USA, maybe some specific private schools that you think are really good for carpentry or building that you've just kind of come across that some of our students may not know about? There's TIC. TIC is going to be commercial construction training, and they are fantastic. So mm-hmm. this is getting to train and learn some cooler things. I, it's all cool. So I yeah. take that back. I got some, it. <laughs> uh, larger industrial stuff. Awesome. Uh, it's really difficult because I'm not finding many schools that are national. So mm-hmm. depending on, obviously, your, state? your podcast is coast to coast. It depends on what state. And so the resources you should look into would be looking up what your SkillsUSA chapter is. You go skillsusa.org 
and it'll show you what schools are associated with them okay. and then backtrack from there and contact the school. That's probably because that's, they're all pulled together. Another great resource is NCCER. They actually do a lot of training curriculum to schools. And so you can find out what schools are using their curriculum and go from there. And their curriculum is fantastic. The other one is going to be the um, United Brotherhood of Joiners and Carpenters have one of the coolest training facilities that I've ever seen. It's a million square feet down in Las Vegas. And they have programs that you can look into where it's 100% free for the student to attend. That means room, board, lodging, and like even things at the end of the night, you want a cold beer or a glass of wine, that's included, which I was like, whoa, hey, we are what? adults. Thanks. Maybe um, I need to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot more fun than the way I did it. <laughs> Big time. And this is, and it is like, if you show up late once, you're gone. Take yeah. it seriously. Yeah. But they're going to train you in underwater welding, pile driving, millwright, mm. scaffolding. I mean, this was some cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and and I don't have an opinion merit-based between union. I'm obviously talking to younger students. Mm-hmm. I see their benefits on both sides. Yeah. I, I just think that go learn. And if you don't feel comfortable at the school you're at and you don't feel like you're learning the best, there is another school near you. Yeah, exactly. Leave. And as you, you know, as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, you know, part of becoming a carpenter or a welder or a plumber or whatever is you gain bits of pieces from different people, different jobs, different challenges, different things that don't work. You know, every step of the journey, you're learning something and that's what makes you a good carpenter at the end of the day. It's because you've already, you've had all those challenges. Like you need all those challenges to actually become really good at your job. So don't look at them as, oh, that one school didn't work or that one boss didn't work or that one job site didn't work really well. Just go on to the next one and get use what you got from that and move to the next yeah. one and just bounce around until you get this like toolkit, you know, of skills so that you can do the things you want to do. I mean, that's what I did. So yeah, you got to kind of keep pressing forward all the time in this industry. There's no like sitting around on your, you know, on your laurels, so to speak. So no. And and not only that, but the level of technology coming into our industry is impressive. It is definitely something that we all need to be cognizant of, whether it's in the CNC machines coming mm-hmm. into the shop and just understanding a basic knowledge on how to program that, or it's using some sort of CAD program that you're using for design for your clients. Like, holy moly, I'm watching now. We're going to just put our clients in virtual reality in their kitchen that hasn't been built yet. And they can be like, no, I don't like how this feels. It's like, click, click. And then you change it. And then they actually get to feel how their space feels before you do it. Like, what? So, yeah, I mean, you (laughs) cannot rest on your laurels at all. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely do another show where we go to maybe, because I know you go to the, um, you know, a lot of the trade trade shows where they have all the really, you know, cool ass equipment that I've been in as well. But I know you do a really good job of kind of introducing all the different things and doing a little walkthrough. So we'll, we'll maybe do a show about that and have some of your videos on there. Cause you do, uh, I mean, you're, you're there for quite a bit of time and, and those are really eye opening because like, I didn't even know those things were around when I started because I was busy learning and building. And I wish I had known about a lot of that stuff. You know, I knew it basically 20 years too late. And it would have made things a lot easier to have those connections up front. You know what I mean? So I think that's, it's important to know all that stuff. So I I think we have a good idea of what you've got coming up in front of you. It sounds really exciting. And I'll be curious to see what you pick of the different trades. What What are your like top three things you're looking at? I mean, I know welding is one of them. Yeah. Oh, totally. Welding. I mean, uh, my dad was a welder, so I kept in my blood anyway. Ironwork, mm-hmm. um, doing concrete, and the uh, last one, mining. Mining, like what? So, like what would you like? Actual mining? Yes, yeah. So, looking at the mining industry, which is huge here in Colorado, but mm. there's so many jobs res- associated with that. You know, it's no longer. My grandfather was a hard rock miner, and actually, you know, you can still look up and look. It, the claim he had on a piece hmm. of land and he walked in with a canary, a Geiger counter and a pickaxe, you know, this is like literally very old school. And now the level, <laughs> Oh yeah. The level of technology coming into the industry now. And so really there's a lot of parlay pieces that uh, they still use 
ventilation, which that's HVAC and they mm-hmm. need electricians and they need automotive parts. And so, um, and then obviously the college related jobs associated with that industry too, mm-hmm. you know, you still need geologists environmentalists and all sorts of people who have gone to school to study how things move. And I think it's fascinating. So yeah. I'm not sure that all of them I'm excited about. I mean, I think the ironwork would be fantastic. My, my arm guns are not big enough yet. Mm-hmm. I am still practicing, <laughs> but I think that's one to really show that, look, I truly believe the females, we can do anything, absolutely anything. And um, it just takes, sometimes you have to have that thick skin, but you just have to show up too. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for your honesty and authenticity and just being yourself. And hopefully between the two of us, we can get a lot more women seeing the trades as a viable, good career to make money in and be very satisfied, you know, tangibly working with your hands. So I think you're a perfect example of someone that is continuing to do that. So thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. You know, you gave me a break from being hold in my backyard. So thank you for me. Like, woohoo! It was a nice break inside. Thanks so much for listening to Remodel Your Life. I sure have enjoyed being with you today. And if you really like our show, we'd love it if you would subscribe through iTunes. You can always send us feedback through email at Camille at RemodelYourLifePodcast.com. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life Podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. The Merca, it's like palm activated, so you don't pull a trigger and mm-hmm. after sanding all day, Camille, I really feel like I dance with it. Like it just sort of floats in my hand. So it's, it's like a part of, to yeah, you. it's like, oh, I love that. Delicious yeah. to use. Yeah. <laughs>